I hope and trust that you are all doing fine in the name of the Lord. It's yet another blessed day the Lord has given us in which we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And again today, I've come to give us the word from the Lord. And I would like us to pray together uh, before we begin. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love, your mercy, and your faithfulness in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day that you've given us, Lord, in which we shall yet again hear your word, O oh God. I pray that Holy Spirit take over our minds, take over our hearts, O oh God, right now, in the name of Jesus. Open our hearts that we may hear what you are saying today. We declare your blessings to continue being with us, Lord, and upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today I'm going to read from the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. I'm going uh, to the Old English, the King James Version today. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> okay. The Bible reads from this, verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Praise be to the name of the Lord. It's always very interesting when you are reading the King James Version. <laughs> the ye, thou, they just sound so wonderful. Amen. All right, so today I would like us to look at this portion of scripture, even as we are in a continuous process of preparing for the Easter. Now, drawing some preliminary backgrounds from this portion of scripture, I want to bring to your attention about this conflict which was between the Samaritans and the Jews. But before that, I would like to go a little bit back so that we can understand how this came about. Now, in about 1722 BC, when Israel had rebelled against the Lord, we know what used to happen in the Old Testament. Whenever the children of God sinned or rebelled against God. God always sent the enemies to invade them as a form of punishment and judgment. And so the time came when the Assyrians had invaded Israel. Now, as we know, the, the, the total race of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom, which is called of Israel. But they are all one. But I would like us to understand that difference. So, those in the north, they consisted of the ten tribes. And those in the south, they honored the two tribes. Now, those ones in the north, are the ones that were invaded in uh, 1722 BC by the Assyrians. And it was the Assyrian military strategy of conquering that whenever they invaded a nation and after overcoming it, 
they would get some people from there, the women and men as prisoners to Assyria, and also bring some Assyrians to come and mingle with the people that they had conquered, so that they could intermarry and then come up with a mixed race. This was a form of assimilation as well as a form as well as a way of alleviating every form of rebellion that might arise from the people that had been conquered. So this is exactly what the Assyrians did. They brought some people and intermarried with the Israelites. And the people, the race that was being born now here was a mixed race called the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were calling themselves Bene Yisrael, which means children of Israel. A little bit of Hebrew pronunciation there. And then, uh, or maybe the, the Shamarims, which just simply means Samaritans, or meaning the observant ones. They also, they also, you know, bragged themselves in observing the five books of the Torah, the laws. And because of this, there was division that came about. Those in the south, they considered these ones not to be the true race of Israel. They considered them, in other words, to be unclean, to be polluted, so to say. And they could not even mix among themselves. And also, they were not even allowed to join in the worship of Yahweh at Mount Zion, which is the temple at Jerusalem. Those in the north, the Samaritans. And so as a result, these people also decided to build their own temple on Mount Gerizim. That is where they built the temple. So those in the north, they worshipped God on Mount Gerizim. And then those in the south, they worshipped God on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. So this is how this came about. Now, if we want to know more details about how difficult this mixing was, or how dangerous sometimes it could be. We draw back to the scripture that we just read. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was determined. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. And therefore, because he was in Capernaum, and when you look at your geography, uh, the distance between Capernaum coming down to Jerusalem, you are going to discover that the shortcut, the shortest way to reach Jerusalem was to go through Samaria and then come down to Jerusalem. But this wasn't the case. So Jesus actually was determined to go to Jerusalem passing through Samaria. He knew to say there was this resistance. But Jesus loved anybody. He loved everyone. So he said, he sent the messengers, the disciples, to say, go ahead of me, as it was his custom. Whenever he wanted to go and preach somewhere, he sent people to go ahead of him, to announce his arrival. And so, when he sent the messengers to go to Samaria, when they heard that Jesus main mission was to just pass through and go to the temple in Jerusalem. They rejected him. They said, mm -mm. go and tell him that we don't want him here. Let him pass somewhere else. And this made him now to use a different route in which he went down to Jericho and then Jerusalem. Now, after the messengers came back and reported to say, 
the Samaritans have refused, Lord, that you are not going to pass through this village. The Bible is telling us of two brothers, James and John. They stood up with all their courage and strength in indignation, so to say, in anger, and asked the Lord to say, Lord, would you like us right now to call fire from heaven and consume them? Now, I want you to have a picture that these guys were not just suggesting consuming maybe a couple number of elders or maybe leaders of the city. It was the entire city. They wanted all of them consumed. That's why I read King James Version, because in NIV and in these other versions, uh, those phrases have been omitted. Would you like us to call fire from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And the Bible says that Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you have. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. Praise the name of the Lord. Therefore, today, I would like to talk about what I've entitled Dealing with Rejection and Bitterness. Dealing with Rejection and bitterness. How do you feel when you make a plan and you become very determined? You even know for sure to say, this plan is going to work out no matter what. This is a good plan. And then all of a the sudden, you find that the plan doesn't work out. You are rejected. How do you feel? How do you behave? The Bible is showing us how the two brothers behaved. James and John. Now, these are formidable apostles that we are going to hear in the later, in the later stories of the Bible. This is the very James who was killed by the sword, by Herod, for believing in the Lord. And then the John we are hearing here, this is the John. Oh, the, the author of the Gospel of John, the, the author of the book of Revelation, these guys, they became bitter. They became furious. They became vengeful when this happened. And it is very interesting that they even had to find a scripture to base their anger upon. Just like Elijah did. Now, when we look at the story of Elijah, well, the one they referred to in 2 Kings chapter 1, we are going to find that those uh, 350 company soldiers of captains, so to say, they were being sent by the king Ahab to go and capture Elijah so that he could be killed. And so Elijah knew he was calling fire from heaven as a form of defense. He did not battle them using swords, but he was calling upon the Lord to punish his enemies. And he was using one phrase, if I be the man of God, because they were just coming to say, man of God, the king wants you now. And then he was just repeating the same phrase, if I be the man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And the Bible says that fire came down, 50 were consumed immediately. The second company of the 50 came again, same thing, fire came down. Hundred people, <laughs> oh my goodness, they, 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 they were consumed. And the third company 
came. The Bible says that because they saw what had happened to their friends who had gone earlier, they decided to do something different. They came down the, off their horses and then they begged him. They said, please, man of God, we are only messengers. And at that point, fire was withheld. <laughs> Praise God. Fire was withheld from heaven. It did not consume. So these brothers, they quoted the same scripture to say, Lord, would you want us to call fire from heaven? Now, when you look at these brothers, you know, sometimes I was thinking to say, what, may, what gave them that confidence and courage, you know, that they would really literally call fire from heaven? Then I remembered that in, 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 the, in the book of, uh, the same book, in chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus had begun by commissioning the twelve. The Bible says that he gave them authority to cast out all demons and heal diseases. So, these guys were operating under divine empowerment of the Spirit of God. They knew for sure because they had already performed miracles already. And they were burning in that zeal to say, we are ready for anything. And after they faced this opposition, they said, yes, we are going to strike them. But the Bible says that Jesus rebuked them and said, you do not know the manner of the spirit you have. In other words, he was saying, the authority and power that I've bestowed upon you from my father is not for massive destruction of your fellow human beings, but it is for doing good. It is for salvation of men's lives. Hallelujah. This happens. To most of us, I for one, I'm a victim of this. There have been times when, you know, some people, you know, just really got on me. And then I was thinking, I was like, I remember there is something that happened like, I think it was in the year 2009, back in Zambia. We had gone in the rural area to do ministry with my associate pastor. And on our way back, we were very tired. And then, we got on a bus, and this conductor, the bus conductor, you know, he started misbehaving, and, you know, he dropped us where we were not supposed to be dropped, and yet he didn't want to give us back the money, you know, to compensate us so that we can connect. And so that became a problem. We began to argue to say, hey, can you please help us? You cannot just drop us here. The guy was like, no. You just remain here. You know what to do. I've just done my part. And off we went. At that point, <laughs> I was a preacher, but I felt, <laughs> I felt that indignation within me. I said, oh my God. I told my, my associate pastor, I said, move, move, move. You know, I just want to rock him. You know, just a simple technique, you know, in Mashwat. I'll just rock his hand and I'm not going to beat him, but I just want to pin him. And then he was like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, Pastor, you can't do that. And then from that time, every time, you know, after some time, he usually called me and, you know, he would remind me of that incident and say, Pastor, do you remember what you wanted to do? I was angry. Amen. So that also shows that, you know, that, that was my weakness. Amen. So when we become angry, sometimes we want to do different things, you know, to to be vengeful, you know, to be able to inflict some harm on somebody so that you can feel at least better. But that is not the way. I know in the early days of my Christianity, I prayed a lot of dangerous prayers, what we call dangerous prayers in Africa, whereby you put somebody on the altar and you are just praying for judgment. You know, you call upon God to do this and this and this and this. And some of those things were working. I've told a couple of them in my teachings and preachings. But over the years, the Lord taught me to say, no, 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 no. This is not the way I've called you to do. You are there to show mercy. Amen? 
you are not supposed to abuse the grace that I've given you. To use it as defense mechanism. Every time you come into a little conflict or misunderstanding, you want to call fire from heaven so that they can get consumed. Imagine having a generation of the John, uh, the James and Johns. How many people could have been consumed? So many. Because offense is always there. We are always offended by somebody. We are always rejected and we feel this bitterness. But how do we deal with it? Amen? This is what I came to encourage us today. How do we deal with this bitterness? First of all, we need to understand, we need to look, we need to learn from what the Lord Jesus Christ himself did. The Bible says that after the Samaritans rejected him, he decided not to pursue them or to force them to say, I am the Lord. In fact, Jesus had power to do anything that he wanted upon his enemies. He had power, we know, even in the book of, uh, in the book of Matthew, I think it is chapter 26, he, he tells, you know, the disciples, when Peter cut off the ear of the servant, he told him, put back your sword in its position. For those who plays with swords will die by swords. And he went ahead and told him to say, don't you know that if I wanted, I could have called upon my father in heaven to send me 12 regions of angels to my defense. Now, a region, it is a group, according to the Roman, the region, it is a group of between 6,000 to 7,000 foot soldiers. And Jesus was saying, if I wanted, I could have called upon my father to send 12,000, meaning approximately 7,000 times 12 angels to come and bring judgment. He had all the capacity and the authority, but he did not do that. Instead, he was merciful. Hallelujah. Uh, his aim was focused upon the mission to go to Jerusalem and die for humanity and die for mankind. Even us today, God has given each one of us our mission. He has given us gifts. He has given us talents. He has put each one of us here where we are for a purpose. And he wants us to use our gifts. He has given us a mission to accomplish, each one of us. But the question is, are we focused? Are we determined? Are we focused on this mission? Despite of the rejection and the opposition that we are going to face. Or that we have already faced, for example. Jesus stayed focused by not being discouraged, despite of the rejection. He stayed focused. He knew to say, okay, they have said no. There is no problem. I'm going to change course. So he used a different direction. He used a different route. Amen? So we need to understand that as we are doing the work of God, or even as we are pursuing some family members, some friends to faith, we try to speak to them. We try to encourage them. We try to pray and fast for them. We pray for them on each day, maybe during prayer ministry, we call upon their names all the time. Uh, we present their names before the Lord, hoping that they are going to be saved. And on the contrary, it's like they are becoming worse and worse. I want to encourage you. We should stay focused. God is the one who does the work. We should do our part. And in the fullness of time, 
God is going to do his work in their lives. Hallelujah. We are not supposed to be discouraged. Maybe some of us have given up to say, no, I have prayed for all these years, but nothing has happened. I want to encourage us that we should stay focused. We should not give up. Opposition is going to be there. In fact, Jesus even knew to say, even if I'm going to these people, they are going to reject me. Even when he entered Jerusalem, the first day when he entered, he entered in triumph. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. And a week later, the same crowd that were cheering Hosanna and putting, you know, the palm trees and their coats for his donkey to pass as a king. They changed again. They are the very ones that were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. What a drastic change and shift there. So opposition will always be there. But are we focused? Are we determined? Have we set our faces like flint? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 57, Isaiah 50 rather, verse 7, it is the prophecy concerning Jesus Christ exactly which is uh, repeated now or fulfilled in uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 51 where we just read. Jesus set up his face to go up to Jerusalem. Isaiah prophesied to say, I have set my face like flint and I know that the Lord will not put me to shame. Amen. Now, flint, it is a precious hard stone which is known for not easily broken. So in other words, the prophet was speaking figuratively about Jesus' mission that he is so determined that is 800 years before Jesus even manifested on earth. He will be so determined in such a way that there will be nothing that is going to set him off course or to derail him until the mission is accomplished. So he was able to deal with rejection. He was rejected, but yet he did not give up. He kept on. How do we respond when we get rejected? Maybe in the workplace, maybe uh, our friends, it could be even within the church or among our family members, they reject us. How do we take that? Sometimes we tend to give up. Sometimes we tend to be vengeful like the two disciples. But the Lord is showing us the way that we are to be focused and we are also to be merciful. Hallelujah. We need to be focused on the mission. Let's not... All these things are going to come. We will find them. We will, hit, we will fight them head on. Opposition is going to be there. I can tell you, from the time I began preaching as a young minister in the year 2005, up to today, I have gone through quite a number of them. And I haven't been like a hero, but there have been times when I told God to say, Lord, I have stopped this thing of preaching. I'm even young. I can find something else to do. This is not easy. But God's grace was always there. It was always there to encourage me. Amen. So whenever we feel like we have been opposed and we have been rejected. We've been disappointed and we're about to give up. We should look to God. Let us learn from him. The Bible shows us, tells us of the Apostle Paul as well. The man who had aimed himself to accomplish the mission that God had given him. Preaching the gospel to the lost. Those that had never heard of it, according to Romans chapter 15, verse 20, he says that my aim, New Living Translation says, my ambition is to preach the gospel, to take it to the places where it has not been heard. 
to the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. This is the man who faced a lot of rejection and opposition. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 14 that at one time they stoned him and thought that he had died. They left him outside the city. And after the disciples went and surrounded him, the man jumped back to life. And what did he do next? He went back into the very city where they had almost killed him, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He made it as an aim, a goal. He set himself up to do it. He was not bitter of all the rejection, all the opposition. Now, when we look at the example of Paul, besides Jesus Christ, this is the man who had faced quite a lot of opposition. When we read the Bible in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, from verse 9, all the way down there. Let me, let me just read there <clears throat> very quickly. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Verse 9, the Bible says, Timothy, please come, come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Damatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. Praise the Lord. Now, this, this scripture is very important here. When we think of Acts chapter 15, verse 36, we are going to hear another interesting story in which the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they had argued, they had quarreled in such a way that they departed. Because in the first mission prior to that one, the Apostle Paul had taken John Mark and after going with the John Mark, the very author of the book of Mark, he was taken along with him. And in the process of the mission, it is known biblically in the biblical backgrounds that he found it difficult and he decided to abandon the mission. He returned back. He deserted them, in other words. And so the Apostle Paul did not take that lightly. He was very upset in such a way that he made sure that when it was time to go back again to strengthen the churches, Barnabas wanted John Mark to go along with them. But because Paul was remembering the incident in which Mark had deserted them, he refused. He said, this guy is not going to accompany us. And that argument became so tense to an extent that they went separate ways. But here, this is towards the end of the life of the Apostle Paul. The same man, the Apostle Paul, thought he was not useful or trusted at that particular time. He called for him, he said, please bring with you Mark. He is very useful and helpful to my ministry. Hallelujah. Rejection will come. Abandonment will come. But we should not be bitter. This shows us that during these years in, the, in between, the Apostle Paul was able to reconcile with Mark and as well as Barnabas, I believe. Because Barnabas was acting as a mentor to the Apostle Paul. Amen. So, we should remember that let us not be bitter when we get rejected, when we get opposed in the things of God or in anything that we are doing, whether at your workplace or maybe in your family, you need to stay strong. I've told you the story about my father, my, my, my own biological father. It took five years for my dad to come to know the Lord. These five years wasn't easy. These were years in which dad would be drunk sometimes. And that's when he would, call me, he would call me because he was a Jehovah's Witness before. And then he would be just bringing out scriptures and wanting to argue with me. 
And that wasn't going well with me because I knew to say he's drunk and he just wants to start arguing. But through prayer, persistence, and perseverance, the time came when my dad just called me one day himself and said, my son, I have been watching you from the time you started following the Lord Jesus. Your life has never been the same. I want to receive this Jesus as well. Please help me. And I thundered a powerful sermon to my father. <laughs> Led him to Christ. And then for the rest of the family members, it was easy. He just called all of them one day and said, I want the pastor to preach to us. I preached and led them to Christ in a single day. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So, rejection will be there. Opposition will be there. But you need that stamina. You need that courage. Because the spirit within you is going to keep on encouraging you. Hallelujah. So I said we should stay focused without being discouraged despite facing rejection and opposition. The second thing is that we must be merciful to those who reject or oppose us. We must be merciful. The Bible says that blessed are the merciful for they shall be called children of God. Yes, it's, it's human that every time, as I said, an example, whenever you are provoked, you know, you want to do something, you know, just to show that you are mad or, you are, or sometimes you want to say certain words to show people that you are mad. That is not the way of Christianity. Imagine how Jesus suffered. He was rejected. He was accused. He was betrayed. Even by the closest friends. David said something. The psalmist, rather, said something in Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14, that if it was my enemies who insulted me and did all these bad things, I could have taken it well. But this was done by my friends, those of my household, my closest friends, the people I had fellowship with in the house of the Lord. When you get rejected by the loved ones, the people that are very close to you, I've heard stories of people that were rejected you know, by their family because they trusted in God. They made a decision to follow the Lord and they got rejected. It is not an easy thing. There are marriages, you know, that... People have been rejected in their marriages. Not that they did anything wrong. But because the enemy has been at work. And then they are in that disappointment. They, they are having that bitterness, you know. They, they don't know what to do. They are still holding on to that. And that is controlling them. I'm here to encourage us today. That let go. And let the Lord. Hallelujah. Let go and let the Lord. Now, the scripture that I just read from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, when we read all the way down, we are going to hear the Apostle Paul mentioning names of all the people that had deserted him and even mentions to say, these guys have been doing so much damage by opposing us in the proclamation of the gospel. May God... Hold it to the account. It begins to invoke some imprecatory prayers there. You know, some prayers of vengeance. So, in other words, is showing it to say, God is the one who is going to deal with them. If you think you have enemies, <laughs> it is not your duty to begin to strategize on how to deal with them, you know, how to plan, how to revenge. No. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let go and let God. That is how we can overcome the bitterness. And it is not by might nor power. It is not something that you can just wake up and say, yes, I let go. It is through the power of the Spirit of God. Without God, 
we can do nothing. So, I want us to be encouraged that let us search our hearts and see those deep-rooted bitterness that are engraved, that is engraved in our hearts to just be released. Surrender it to the Lord and just say, Lord, yes, I remember so and so did this harm to me, but Lord, I do not hold it against them. Just like Jesus himself said on the cross, I've always imagined whereby you are, you've been nailed hands and legs, hands and feet, and then you have also been pierced, you have been beaten, everything has been done to you, and yet you utter the word saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Yes, with Jesus we can say, yeah, he was God, what can we say? We are only human beings. But there is a human being who, who did exactly the same thing. Stephen, the man I get my name from. That's why I, I, am, I am a bit aggressive. Amen. <laughs> I get the anointing. <laughs> the man did the same thing. You know, they, they told him to stop preaching, but he opened up his mouth and he proclaimed the gospel with all boldness. And the result of that was stoning him to death. And the Bible says that when he lifted up his eyes, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing. Heaven was open. And his face was shining like that of an angel. And he said the same words, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Those people that offended you, those people that rejected you and me, they did not know what they were doing. In fact, as I've been growing in my faith over the years, I've come to discover that these oppositions, rejections, and all these things, they are very good because they are a fuel to our destiny and mission. Amen. I'm saying this because personally, when everything is calm, I don't know about you. I tend to get a little bit comfortable, you know. I pray less, you know, <laughs> less hours, you know, just doing everything at easy, you know, take it easy. But when I am under fire, yes, I really charge in the spirit. So sometimes God will allow that to happen to us. So that as we go through those things, our character is built up and perfected as we are work, working towards the perfection. Amen. So, let us remember that. Let us be merciful. Let us not be bitter or vengeful against those people. Let us love them. Praise God. The other thing is that let us love and pursue the lost for Christ. Let us love and pursue the lost for Christ. It's very important. Jesus said, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. He made it very clear. And this is the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to see that even when he was accused of mixing with the sinners, as a prophet, as a teacher, he was supposed to be behaving the holier-than-thou you know, arrangement, whereby all the commoners should be away from him. Only the dignitaries, you know, the big, the big people in the, in the, in the temple or somewhere, they, they are the ones who are supposed to be closer to him. But on the contrary, he went and humbled himself. He was mixing with the commoners, ministering love to them, and they were giving their lives to him. And that made the teachers of the law to be very much against the Lord Jesus Christ. He kept on saying the same thing. For the Son of Man did not come 
You know, the, the Son of Man came to seek that which was lost. These are the very words that he said, even during the encounter of Zacchaeus. He said, he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek that which was lost, or the lost sheep of Israel. We should have the same attitude of love and patience, even in the face of rejection. I've done a couple of evangelistic encounters back in Zambia, even here at Fuller, as well as, you know, whenever I find an opportunity. At Methodist Hospital, you know, during my, 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 my working as chaplain, the chaplaincy uh, internship, I've had encounters whereby some of them have been very successful. I've led a couple of people to Christ. And of course, I've found some rude ones <laughs> whereby they will allow you to talk about all these things and they'll be very much excited. And the moment you try to place a switch button to talk about the things of God, you just see their countenance changes. And then they begin to look at you as if maybe you have just dropped from some place or, you know, strange or something. And then they'll tell you, no, 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 please, don't, don't bring that on me. Don't, don't. And of course, if somebody excuses themselves like that, you let them. Sometimes we make a, a mistake by wanting now, you know, to pound on them. No, you must receive Christ. It is never like that. It is not by might nor power. It is the work of the Lord. You let them. If they refuse, you let them. In fact, Jesus knew that some people will always refuse to hear his word. That's why he even told the disciples to say, look, if they have rejected me, your master, even you, what more, you, my disciples, they will do even more deadly things to you. But remember that when they reject you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me. Hallelujah. So, do your part. You can talk to somebody. And again, the way we approach people matters. You know, sometimes <laughs> we will approach people aggressively in such a way that just by introducing ourselves or beginning to talk about Jesus, already it shows that we are condemning them and we are looking down on them. No one will receive that well. Even I myself, at my initial, you know, encounter of coming to salvation, I did not allow somebody who came and threatened me to say, my brother, have you received Jesus? I said, yes. Why? He was like, no, 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 you have to be sure. If not, hell is burning, there is fire. I looked at him, I said, this guy is very dangerous. We are not there to scare people with the hellfire. We are there to preach the love of God. Of course, there is the reality of, 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 of that final judgment. But we are there to minister the love of Christ. We must be patient. We must be patient. We must be patient and pursue. Always. They refuse. Take them, their names up to the Lord in prayer. Keep it up. Keep on. Keep on. And in the fullness of time, I've just given an example of my dad. They will come around. It took about five years. Five years is not, is not a short period of time. You are staying in the same house. And then you are having these battles, confrontations, and so on and so forth. It's not easy. But today, whenever I call, we joke. We, he calls me man of God, and I call him elder. <laughs> I call him my elder. And you know, we communicate very well. Praise God. So, we must be patient. We must pursue peace. Let me, let me just read the scripture in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, chapter, chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, 
Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, when things are done to you and you become bitter, what is going to happen is that the people that you are bitter, they are, it's like they are owning you. They are going to own you in such a way that you'll be operating under their influence. What I mean by that is that if somebody hurt you so bad, you are not going to live your free life, your own free life in the Lord. You are going to be controlled by what they did. Every time you want to move forward, you'll be hearing the voice, the voices of the same people telling you the bad things or doing the bad things which they did to you. And that will be causing you to go in isolation. Instead of joining maybe the prayer ministry or maybe a ministry in the, in the church or, or, or being together with the children of God, participating in the things of God in the church, you are going to be shunning away because somebody is controlling you. Or maybe it is a parent or a father or a mother who said that you are good for nothing and you shall add up to nothing and you keep on hearing those words all the time. You are bitter. They are controlling you. You must let go. You must forgive. The Bible says that pursue peace and holiness. For without this, none shall, no one shall see God. Peace. We must pursue it. What it means is that, you know, we need to, to do some effort in order for this peace to be attained. How can this be? When somebody provokes you or when somebody offends you, you just look at that. And if you know that they have really offended you, you just tell them to say, hey, I think you have offended me and I'm not comfortable with this. You can open up. You tell them. Rather than just keeping it because it will be mounting, mounting, mounting. I'm saying this because I have seen people whereby over the years, somebody was doing something to them and they were not saying anything. And the day when something very small was done to them, which nobody expected them to react the way they reacted, they just came and flared up like a bomb. Boom! Because they have been saving all this bitterness within them. I'm here to encourage us today that we should let go. We should pursue peace. These things are bound to happen. People will injure us. But how are we going to deal with that? You might be in a situation like Joseph, your own brothers, maybe your own sisters, your own parents. They do things to you like the way they did. They almost killed him. They sold him off. And then the time of reckoning came. What did he do? He chose the way of love, forgiveness. The Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 22 and verse 25 that if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is very important because sometimes we want to receive forgiveness, yet we don't want to forgive others. It never works that way. The same grace that we've received, it is the same grace that we must pass on. Hallelujah. Praise be to the name of the Lord. So, opposition will come, but be patient. Rejection will come, but be patient. Do not be bitter. Guard your hearts. Let's guard our hearts. Sometimes, 
I've, I've heard a couple of people tell me to say, Stephen, do you ever get angry? And I said, yes, and it could be very dangerous. <laughs> I said, yes, I do, and I get really very angry. So I asked to say, but why do you ask? And our, most of them have told me to say, because most of the times you like smiling. You know? Wow, that's the gift God has given me. Amen? Even when something is tense, or we are in a meeting of something, when having conversations, I smile. It's just in me. <laughs> Praise God. It is just in me. And that has also helped me, you know. I will see things happening, or maybe people will do stuff, and all of a sudden, I will just smile. It is not that I'm being naive, you know, I'm not understanding what is going on, no. I know everything, but I'm not going to let that hold me captive, you know. I'm not going to let what is happening hold me prison. No. I will choose to let go. That is my way of pursuing peace. Amen. So, I don't know how you do it, but in whatever way you do, a good way actually, always make sure you pursue peace. It's very important. Bring that reconciliation. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not really loss for you to just go and tell somebody to say, please forgive me. I am sorry for what I said or for what I did. But the problem is that, you know, when something happened, we begin to look at each other from afar. We'll be like, okay, if I go to them, I'm going to be seen as if, you know, I'm less. So they have to come to me. It's them who are supposed to apologize, not me. No, it should never be like that. If there are issues, talk them over. And then, resolve them. Apologize when necessary. I do this most of the times. You know, even when I see that it's not really me who has made a mistake, but for the sake of peace, I'll reach out and say, please, if I've made a mistake, please forgive me. It is the way of Christianity. Amen. I know most of the times the Stephen in me, when something happens, will be crying for justice. That is the flesh, actually. Justice is good. But there is a right way to pursue justice, and then there is a wrong way to pursue justice again. Because some of the ways that we call justice is not justice at all. It's revenge. So we must draw a line to know the difference. Amen? So the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us something here. He was rejected. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 11 that he came to his own and his own Received him not. He came to his own and his own received him not. How did he behave? He loved them still. Amen. So, let us continue to love. Let us stay focused and never be discouraged despite facing rejection and opposition. Let us be merciful to those who reject us or oppose us. Let us not be bitter against such like John and James and sought revenge immediately upon them. 
let us be patient by loving and pursuing the lost. Very important. And by doing so, the Lord will bless us. And we will be called the children of God. Some people, we don't even need to preach to them. But the way we act, the way we behave towards others is the powerful gospel sermons enough. Amen? Others will just say, ah, they will have been looking at you. You know, I've been watching your life. Sometimes when we are just walking like this, we feel, ah, it's my, it's my life, you know, it's my own. But people are watching, you know, and the way they are watching us will either attract them to what we claim to profess our faith in the Lord or repel them. That's how it is. May the Lord bless us and may the Spirit of God search each one of us deeply in our hearts. And if there be any hidden bitterness because of the rejection, the disappointments that, uh, that was inflicted by maybe that superior at the workplace or that parent or that friend, or that fellow church member, or leader, or anybody, may we surrender it to the Lord. And by the grace of God, he's going to set us free. And we will rejoice together to the glory of his holy name. I will invite us just to pray right now. If you feel that in these areas that I've talked about, you know, the Spirit of God is just ministering to you to say, you need to forgive. You need to get rid of bitterness. Yes, you were innocent, but those people offended you. Or maybe you were wrong, but God is still gracious. And he wants you to surrender. Where you are right now, you can just set your heart before the Lord and just pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you. I surrender myself before you. Have mercy upon me, Lord. Every bitterness within me, I lift it up before you. Every unforgiveness upon me, I release it up before you, Lord. I release those, you know their names. I release them right now. The things which they did in my life, I pray that, Lord, you alone, may you help me in the name of Jesus. Have mercy upon me, Lord. I've been vengeful in my thoughts. I've been vengeful in my words. I've been vengeful in my actions. Forgive me, Lord. Because of my behavior, I may have repelled certain individuals from coming to you. Have mercy upon me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, I pray. You can just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus... Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Have mercy upon me. Forgive my sins that I've sinned against you, consciously and unconsciously. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll go ahead and just pray for us right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm so grateful for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has come in season right now. I pray for each one of us, that, Lord, may you search our hearts. And if there is any embedded bitterness within us, or maybe it has taken so many years, Lord, and it has become part of us, 
and it has molded our behavior and our character in the way we behave towards certain people or towards certain, certain things. I pray right now by the power of the Spirit of God, let your power of the Spirit of God right now bring freedom of our lives in the name of Jesus. Break those chains, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I pray right now that every unforgiveness be lifted up. Every heaviness in the spirit, in the soul, I command it be lifted up right now in Jesus' name. I pray that let the love of God fill your hearts in the name of Jesus. Let the love of God, let the peace of God fill our hearts right now in Jesus' name that we may be People that will be patient, will be loving, will be determined to do the will of God, the work of God, in spite, despite of the rejection and the opposition. Because, Lord Jesus, you have showed us the way. It is the way that you went through. And you even promised us that these things, we are going to encounter them. Therefore, to you alone, we surrender. Have your way, Lord, in our lives. Have your way, Lord, in our families. In the name of Jesus, bring healing upon us, upon our families, upon the churches, Lord, upon the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and the Lord favor you. Amen.